I'm Joel Volk and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges with blemishes and all. Robert Grossman of Black Diamond Leadership teaches business leaders how psychological safety is just good business. As you listen to this interview, as a small business person, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people I introduce you to, like Robert. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. Robert Grossman of Black Diamond Leadership learned to rescue fallen skiers while navigating the most challenging ski slopes in California. Later, as an entrepreneur, Robert tapped into those same skills to solve business problems while producing complex live productions. Now, as a management trainer and executive coach, those same skills are taught while Robert focuses on emotional safety to empower business growth. Robert, I've known you, I don't know, 20 years? Yes, long time now. You and I have had so many great conversations, and it's about time that we do this for the podcast. So welcome. Thank you very much for being here, and uh, I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm excited to be here, and um, I will publicly thank you for all the wonderful advice and support you've, been, you've given me over the years as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's sweet of you. <laughs> what when I, when I was talking to you about being on the podcast, what we spoke about was emotional safety. And whereas I think I can define it, I really can't. The more I was thinking about how I would describe what you do, the, the less I was confident that I knew what it meant. So can you give us an overview of what you mean when you're talking about emotional safety, please? Sure. And the term I use is actually emotional intelligence and, and psychological safety. And those two all kind of blend together, which is perfect. No problem at all. So the, the simplest definition of emotional intelligence is recognizing that we are emotional beings. We respond to challenging events emotionally first, which also means that our amygdala could hijack us. And that's when we have a strong emotional response to challenging conversations or what I would call a key moment. So emotional intelligence is understanding that and recognizing that and learning a set of tools and skills to engage your rational brain to make sense of what is actually going on so that instead of reacting to situations, we respond. So when you say amygdala, if that's another way of putting that is your reptile responses to things. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, part of our, it's, it's actually the part of our brain that initiates fight or flight. And so even if you're having a conversation with somebody and you perceive that the conversation you're, you're being attacked or, or, or maybe you are, um, what happens is your amygdala kicks in and begins to flood your body with chemicals like neoepinephrine and cortisol. That's why you feel your heart rate increase. And maybe you might be clenching your jaw or you might be feeling, you know, more heat coming up from your collar. Sometimes I feel the hairs in the back of my neck or I still have hair stand up when I get upset. So are you teaching people to respond or are you teaching people to provide stimuli that mitigates that response? Well, both. So what we work with is first understanding, number one, recognizing that we have what I call key moments. And a key moment is an event, um, just the event. As I used to talk, tell my clients, if you remember the old show Dragnet, and they say, just the facts, ma'am. So it's just the event without any color, any interpretation. The event occurs, 
And then we recognize that we have thoughts about that event and our thoughts then cause our feelings and our feelings then influence our behavior and how we behave or act out really determines whether or not we are reacting to an event or we're responding to that event. So we, we do things like interrupting strategies. So you recognize the key moment and simplest strategies, take a couple deep breaths and you recognize you're having the key moment and then you literally can choose to alter your thoughts about it. Now, at first, it takes a lot of work and reflection, but as you get better at it, now it becomes easier and easier to, it's an almost becomes an automatic process. You teach this to teams as well as leadership, correct? Correct. So I, I have a lot of questions about this. So forgive me if, if they sound scattered. First of all, I've been on the receiving end of people that say things in a very accusatory way. Mm -hmm. And I find it really hard to control mm -hmm. my initial response mm -hmm. versus I consciously say things to people in a way, at least in business. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would disagree, but I constantly <laughs> say things in a way business-wise designed to soften the blow of bad news, not sound accusatory, to put things in a positive spin. If someone makes a mistake to, to, to not, to not make it like it's a deliberate to, to kind of acknowledge in my verbiage that, there's no nothing, no evil intent involved. It's just this happened and we need to solve this problem. But when I'm on the receiving end of it, I'm not as thoughtful. You know, I, I respond. So you can teach me to respond better when, when I'm on the receiving end of somebody not being as thoughtfully crafting, the, someone who doesn't craft the words as thoughtfully as I do. Is that correct? Can I, can I develop you? I'll use the word develop, develop okay. you or provide, help you develop the skills to not get triggered by that individual at you know, emotional intelligence 2.0, if you will, the next level is actually learning how to develop, how to manage other people's key moments as well, too. Okay. To recognize that they're upset. So what happens if somebody approaches you and you're upset, they're upset, and then you get triggered by that event, you know, now you're into a ping pong game, right? And, and as the game proceeds, they're hitting the ball harder and harder and harder at each other. And, and we want to break that cycle. We want to not respond to, we want to not react to somebody who's upset and, and respond to them and do our best to slow that process down. So can you give me an example? Absolutely. I was just working with an executive at a pharma company, been working with this team actually of leaders for a number of months now. And um, just recently, one of them called me up and said, you're not going to believe what happened. I was delivering a presentation and I misspelled a word twice. Um, in my presentation, the same word, and somebody on my team that reports to me raised their hand and pointed it out in front of the whole team, from the whole group. And I said, wow, what happened? He said, well, normally I would get very upset about it. I'd get very snarky and I'd put that person down. Um, but instead, I listened, I remembered what you taught me, but I kind of heard you in the back of my head. And I took a deep breath and I just acknowledged them and thanked them for helping me out. Right. And by doing that, he he improved um, the level of what we call psychological safety on that team. But I would also assert that his leadership, um, his respect on it by, from his team probably increased as well, too. So that's that's one one example. Right. He, he elevated himself among the team. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. Can everybody be developed? I've had a very high success rate. 
at working with people. Sometimes mm -hmm. it takes people longer mm -hmm. to, to get it than other people. Um, some people are just resistant to it. They, they think that this is still some kind of, you know, woo woo kumbaya, let's sit around the fire and, and, uh, you know, roast marshmallows. And, um, and I would assert that those people are probably going to struggle in their, in their work. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to achieve the levels of success that they, that they want. As an example, there was a, a, a great article at the Harvard Business Review and, and this scientist or somebody, I forgot where it was from actually, but they took two people of equal technical competency and one had a much higher degree of emotional intelligence. And that person over time moved up faster and made more money than the other person. So there's a lot of, there's a body of work out there right now that, that really points to companies really want their leaders developed in emotional intelligence and they will become more successful leaders if they do right. that. Right. How did you get started with this? What was the impetus? Well, going back to about 2008, I was uh, ending, I was winding down the production company and the last few projects that I worked on with Deloitte, one of my big clients back then, were all leadership conferences. And, and one day it was at the Bellagio Hotel and we were producing a leadership conference and I had this all of a sudden epiphany that it was time for me to move from the back of the room to be on stage and from behind the camera to the front of the camera. And I decided that I was going to not write my own content, but I was going to find a company where I could license their content and get trained and developed and certified by them. And I found an amazing company out of Texas that had a wonderful leadership program. But one of the eight programs was called Self Mastery. And for the first five or six years, I never opened up that binder, right? I thought I wanted to do the leadership work. And then I started learning more about emotional intelligence and recognized that the self-mastery module was really the starting point for developing leaders and teams. Um, without, having, without having a well-developed, without having your emotional intelligence developed well, it's very challenging to engage in powerful interpersonal conversations, especially when there's some conflict. And if you don't have that, then you really can't have trust and without trust, a team cannot achieve high performance. So uh, over the past four or five years, and especially since COVID, I mean, COVID has been a, was a real silver lining for emotional intelligence training. Companies recognize the need because in, with emotional intelligence also comes the space, if you will, to also be very empathetic towards people. Right, uh, right. Empathy is now everybody wants their leaders to be empathetic. Well, imagine if you're charged, if your amygdala is hijacking you, it's virtually impossible to number one, communicate effectively and number two, to have empathy. So, so over the past five years, it's my problem. It's what I lead with every time. It's the first thing that I do with a company. I also imagine that there's a direct translation to employee retention and a company that practices psychological safety and emotional intelligence development. hundred percent. People remember back around the on the dot-com boom period, everybody thought that it was foosball and ping pong tables. Right. And dog to work day. And right. all that was great. Right. But today, the millennials, the newer generations, they don't really care about that as much. They like it, but they want to work with leaders that will coach them and develop them. Right. They don't want leaders that are going to yell at them or, or lose their temper, right. more predictability. I'll, I'll give you an example. A number of years ago, I was referred by a CPA to work with a client of his that had about a 60% turnover rate. And I read the, the, the reviews on Glassdoor, mm -hmm. 
And and there were things in there written like um, a new employee started this morning and by 10 a.m. they left crying. Yeah. And so I sat down. So it's got to be the employee's fault, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. And right. I sat down with this person and, and, and I said, what's going on? And for 20 right. minutes, this person was talking about their employees. Their employees right. are terrible. And I right. said, well, is there any possibility that maybe it's you? And she said, absolutely not. Right. And what was happening was that 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 she was completely unpredictable. People didn't know yeah. which version was going to show up in the morning, let alone right. walk out of her office every day. Right. 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 So. Just in case any of my former employees are listening, I can tell you that I've I've been the sufferer, the person who's caused that uh, emotion <laughs> uh, early in my career and probably later on too occasionally, um, yeah. because I was very intense when I was very young. I was very very intense, and although I have a pretty good sense of humor when I'm in a relaxed you know conversational mode, when I'm in intense, my sense of humor is completely dead. I just am focused, and people didn't know which Joel was going to walk in yeah. the room at times, and I'm sure I caused quite a bit of that anxiety yeah, and that's, over the years. So, and I'm not proud of that, but I think it's a, a fair thing to say. And it's part of part of what I do, what I do now is that I experience a lot of this growth over over the years, not necessarily uh, deliberately, but as time goes on, you, you kind of reflect back and realize what you could have done a little bit differently. And I'm definitely that person who made a few people cry over the years. And uh, it was it was terrible. I'd go home very upset when that happened, mad at myself for losing control. So, uh, so to me, it seems like a big part of this is control. Yes, I'm going to take a step back a second. You said something that's really important that people need to understand. Most of us, you and me, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast, to your show, we're highly successful people in most areas of our life. Mm-hmm. And, and our, where our emotional intelligence comes to play is in certain areas where we struggle in our lives, right? And so, so I don't want people to think that you know, if they're signing up to do emotional intelligence work, that it's that's something wrong with them. It, it's human. It's the human condition to respond to our challenge events emotionally first. It's the way our brain is designed to respond emotionally first, even if the threat is perceived. Right. So imagine you're you're walking, you're camping. I don't know if you camp or not, Joel, but you know, you're camping. You're walking down. The trail by yourself and you hear a rustling in the bushes and you know and you think oh my god there's a Bengal tiger in west los angeles it's gonna come out and jump at me and eat me right well that's a very illogical thought right and there's no Bengal tigers number one but who knows it could be a mountain lion but your body doesn't know your brain doesn't know the difference between a real threat and perceived threat right and it's going to respond as if it's a real threat and and that's why in in your history, Joel, in the past, something happened that upset you, and and you had an emotional response. Like I was leading, I, I had a reputation in the meetings industry of being the coolest guy ever. Not cool, like hey, hip, but cool meaning maintaining my temp, my temper, like right. being really calm under pressure. And there was one meeting where something really simple happened. A uh, maitre d from the hotel came up and said that that uh, the pipe and drape surrounding our station in the back of the room, our tech riser had a gap in it and it pissed me off. Right. You know, and I had a strong re- reaction to it. Well, fortunately I engaged my emotional intelligence and turned that around. But even though I perceived him pointing out that there was something wrong with the pipe and drape as a threat, really, what was he saying? He was really saying, Hey, your pipe and drape has a gap in it. Can you fix it? So the room looks perfect. Right. But I took it as a threat. Do you take it as a criticism? I did. Yeah. Okay. I took it. I took it. I yeah. See. I, yeah. I took it as a criticism. I took it as a threat that, 
you know, who is he to tell me? I'm the event producer guy. Right. Uh, my client's going to find out. And we call that also catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. That's a distortion in our reasoning. When something happens, we have a thought about it. Right. We could catastrophize it and make it bigger than it actually is. Mm-hmm. But again, if that happens, then your feelings are going to be stronger and your actions are going to be stronger. Right, right. So obviously developing this skill set for your professional life helps you in your personal life obviously, and vice versa. Do you find that you have to, as a trainer, as a, do you, do you find that you have to not train people at certain times, just let them be themselves? Like remind yourself that this isn't the, this isn't the time to assert your, your training. Like um, in a situation, maybe with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious if you are able to turn it on and turn it off. Well, so, so that's a really great question. And you're not really turning it on necessarily. It really becomes a way of, of being. So, for example, if you were if you came to me one day and you were upset about something that I I did, um, rather I, I'm I'm just going to really listen to you. I want to hear what's upsetting you. I want to I want to recreate that, and I want to I want you to know that I'm hearing you. Okay. After uh, we're done, after right? we're done recording, we're going to talk about a few things. Then. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it now, man. Let's do it now. You know, I, I want you to know yeah. that I'm, I'm hearing right. you, right? And and so that's just me being emotionally intelligent. It's not being Coach Robert. Yeah, got it. Right. It's just it's just me now. It's become who I am now. Mm-hmm. I'm not always this way. Things still do trigger me. I mean, I was on the phone with my cell phone company, and I had to really engage my emotional intelligence. Right. Right. Like this this does. I mean, for for companies, this is a, a double benefit. For, for people because my relationships are so much stronger and better now than they were before. So this um, begs the question, can can someone who speaks the language of emotional intelligence engage properly with someone who doesn't? In other words, I imagine that if you have a whole team of people and you're all knowing that you're being trained in or developed, excuse me, in an emotional intelligence, that you're all you know, actively trying to develop that skill while you're solving an issue around the company. Now you come to, you have to deal with your, you know, cellular provider and the guy on the other end of the phone, he can, he doesn't know what intelligence, he doesn't even care. What, who cares? Right. And you're, you're trying to be, use your, your new communication skill set and he's unaware of it. Right. Is that, are you able to succeed that way? Yes, but in a different way. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so w- one of the one of the key benefits or one of the key goals of developing your emotional intelligence is that you're able to stay on your A game, that you don't get triggered by other people. So even when you're on the phone, let's say with your cellular guy and the other guy is you know not being nice and not being cooperative, you really have two choices. One, you can engage in that game, or you can maintain your equilibrium and and do your best to have you know, and um, an, an engagement conversation with this person about helping you, you know, and without you losing your cool, because if you lose your cool, I mean, what, what happens physiologically, your blood pressure goes up, your right. pulse rate goes up. And, and really once, once that, that amygdala hijacks your body, it could take 20 minutes, 40 minutes for those chemicals to dissipate. So you can go back and be effective again. Um, I, I have a, actually a quick story to share about that, if I may. Oh, good. Great. So I was doing some work with a leadership team about five years ago in San Diego. It was a two-day retreat, and we came to the chapter on emotional intelligence. And one guy stood up and said, I, "I'm I'm good. I got this. I'm this is my expertise. I never lose my temper. I'm going to step out for a couple hours." 
And I said, fantastic, but tell me, you know, how do you know that you're so that you're so developed in your emotional intelligence? He goes, well, I got a story to share with you. And, and uh, to paraphrase it, this company did big demos on site and they bring a lot of computers with them. And, and the team is supposed to know to plug their computers into different circuits. He shared that he walked in to uh, make sure everything was done properly. He noticed they plugged everything into the same circuit. And he said, and calmly, he was very, really overemphasized, and calmly, I told them to shut down the computers and unplug it and find different circuits. And I said, that's great. What happened next? He goes, what, what do you mean? I go, what did you do next? He said, well, I went back to my office. And I said, okay, well, how was the rest of your day? And he said, but what do you mean? How was the rest of my day? Well, were you productive? What, were you, what was going on? And he said, no, I wasn't productive at all. I was stewing all afternoon about why they didn't know what to do. Right. So I said, oh, okay, so what you did is you controlled your emotions. You didn't emote, but inside you were taken way off your A game. Right. Way off your A game. Right. And 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 you did good on part one, but part two, you didn't do so well and you wasted a lot of time and energy stewing over what they should have done. And he sat down, right, and participated in the pro program. Got it. So so we can't control other people. That's num number one. So we can only control our own responses, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So all we can, can all we can manage is how we respond to situations. Sure. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. Welcome to our new sponsor, Jorgensen HR. Jorgensen HR believes that an employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen HR works to ensure that employers are in compliance with federal, state, and local HR laws and helps assist them with almost everything else HR. Driven by passion and guided by expertise, Jorgensen HR. Please remember to mention Small BizCast when you call 661-600-2070 or visit them online at jorgensenhr.com. If you know of anyone who feels lonely on their way to the top, I can help. Hot Dog Business Growth is for companies of all sizes. For people new to business, we offer the Pay It Forward Roundtable, a monthly half-day panel discussion with your peers, coupled with one-to-one -one private counseling with me. This is super affordable and the best OJT you'll ever get as you learn to grow your business. For the more seasoned, Hot Dog Business Growth offers counseling for leadership and teams. We offer sales strategies and team synergy, as well as customer service assessments and training. Our decades of business experience is on tap for you and your team. Schedule your no obligation conversation at hotdogbizgrowth.com. We are back with Robert Grossman of Black Diamond Leadership. Do you do an evaluation of your clients? Well, it's usually just a, a conversation. I don't really do an assessment with this. Mm -hmm. I ask them questions like, do you ever get triggered? Do you, does something happen and you get upset at other people and kind of lose your stuff? You know, where, where are you struggling in these areas? What kind of feedback are you getting from other people? 
and and then then from from there we can we can move forward. I see. And how, and how long is a typical engagement for you? It 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 depends. So there's two ways we work with with companies. One is we have courses uh-huh. that we teach, and the then the so then the courses are you know probably about six months to go through mm-hmm. the the whole program. Although people do start seeing immediate results um, in coaching, um, it can be anywhere from three months to a longer period of time. One one truism about doing this type of work is like the proverbial onion. As you peel back one layer, you find more layers. Sure. And as you get deeper into this work, you begin to identify some core beliefs that you have that influence the way that you experience um, these key moments. So in other words, if um, early on in your life, if you had issues trusting people, chances are you're going to have key moments revolving around trust issues. And so, and so we want to, we don't, we're not going to try to solve those problems that would be considered therapy, right? We don't do therapy, but once you're more aware of it, when you're aware of it, then you can start to understand it and see the relationship and even grow deeper in your emotional intelligence. Yeah. Right right about the time you brought up therapy, I had thought that there's a fine line between what you do and psychoanalysis. And I, I had thought that earlier as well, but I wanted to wait and see where the conversation went before I brought that up. Yeah. But I, I have to think that there's some gray area there where when you're, if you're working one-on-one with someone that you real, you're kind of delving into that part of their world. I had um, an engagement a couple of years ago yeah. with somebody who was too, you know, one of the too valuable to let go, but too disruptive to keep. Right. And, and after a month of working with this person, I paused our engagement. Mm-hmm. I said, you, you, I, I can't tell you what to do. Um, it would be my recommendation to consult a therapist. Right. right? right. And they did. And the therapist recommended they consult a psychiatrist and they were put on a, you know, some medication to support them. Mm-hmm. And then two months later, we resumed our work and boom, you know, things moved really, really quickly. Robert, do you ever get brought into situations where you have uh, two partners, for instance, that don't get along and you, 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 and you know they have a common mission and common you know they're vested in the business they neither yeah. one of them can leave but they're both so, so toxic to each other that they can't succeed so what happens how do you how do you work in that space well i'm very, first, i come out of the gate very very blunt and say do you guys want to work together right what happens if the answer is i want to work in the company i love the company I love the product I love our customers but that guy's a dick what do you do then I ask them, well, what's the what's your commitment level to shift your relationship with this person? And right. if it's if it's, it's just like going back to that story with that CEO I mentioned with the high right. turnover rate, in, in the end, I declined her as a client. Right. Because she would assume no responsibility. So right. in the same situation, I would say, you know, if you were the partner, Joel, I'd say, so Joel, what do you think your part is in this? Right. As well? Right. One partner wants to succeed the relationship. The other one is, you know, throws the towel and says, screw it. I'm not investing. I've already done it, Robert. You know, I've I've given all I can give. I have nothing else to give. Then you just work on the other guy and help him or her stay. I can can do that. Or I might even be so bold as to say, well, maybe you need some other level of support than I can provide. Right. Right. So so at some point, if you feel like you can't be effective, you're going to. Oh, it. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. right, right. That's yeah, a, no, I, yeah, I, I, I want to. I'm not surprised to, to hear that because you're a very man of integrity. And so it doesn't surprise me to hear that. I was also thinking about how, you know, we live in polarized times. We live in times where people who are 
you know, often very reasonable and practical and when certain things trigger them, when politics come up and so on, and they respond completely non-constructive. Over the know. top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know, I know there are a lot that happens all the time and I hear of it all the time and I've curtailed my own commentary as a result. Well, I assume that because of the times we're living in, you're that that's something that this comes up more often than normal. Rarely do my conversations get into the political side or responding to to politics, uh, although the connection to emotional intelligence is so strong there. So if I were to say something that that insulted you know, your political points of view or your right. core beliefs about the, the, the world, you know, chances are you're going to have a strong response. You're going to see something back to me, and I'm going to have a strong response. Before you know it, we're not friends anymore. Right. Right. And so we're not listening to each other. We're mm -hmm. not saying, "Oh, Joel, that's an interesting point of view." Yeah. Right. And so if you are, so if if you're committed to living a life of emotional intelligence, and you responded very aggressively back to me, um, I would hope that I would have the skills now that my that my EI is developed to the point where. I would say something like, hey, Joel, this is really upsetting to you. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Have a conversation. Right. Um, now, I used to get very upset about certain things going on politically probably about a year ago. And over the, and I started looking at that and where we are as a society and how polarized we are, po polarized we are right now right. as a society. And, um, and I've been, it's been an area of testing ground for me where now I'm able to really have conversations with people who disagree with me or think right. differently than I do. Right. And they're productive conversations. But again, if, if I, if, if your um, point of view, if you the way, if your, if your point of view, core beliefs are being challenged, it would, the chances of it triggering a strong response are right. high. Right. And then right. the other thing that we have to understand too, is that, and this goes right into the training, we do find what we look for. Explain that. I don't know what that means. Well, so for, for example, if you if let's take it back to the to, to the company world, corporate world. Yeah. You know, if, if you believe all companies are heartless people, yeah, you're going to find it in companies. Right, right, right. If you believe companies aren't. Right. Um, then you're going to find that too. You're going to see both, but you're mm -hmm. not. But you're going to respond more from this is a decent place. Yeah. Here's, here's another aspect of this that's so important. So Joel, I I don't even know. Do you, do you ski, Joel? I forgot. I don't know if you ski. I used to ski a lot. Um, okay. I haven't skied in recent years. Okay. So were you a, an intermediate? Were you an advanced skier? I was competent. I could pretty much ski safely down anything. Maybe not as fast as you, but I could okay. I can get I can get down the black diamond uh, slopes uh, without killing myself. Okay. So okay, good. So and I never broke I never broke anything serious. <laughs> Good for you. Or um, anybody you've else. Never been in one of my sleds when I was on ski patrol. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so, so let's just say that you and I are are on the top of a of a of a mountain. We're yeah. a mammoth, and it's a really steep, narrow mountain. It's gorgeous. I'm inspired. I think it's beautiful, and you don't feel that way. You have right. a little bit of fear of heights. You don't right. like the, you know. Well, it's the same exact situation, but you and I are seeing it differently. Right. right? And those are those filters, those points of view that we that we that we all in, engage in i think that's a great uh, example because i can tell you that when i would go down the most challenging slopes is when i would be most deliberate about my form and my technique yeah right yeah. when i was going down the easy slopes i was just a free bird and i was just zip, 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 zip down the down the hill but if i was yeah. on something you know some big moguls or 
deep powder or something that I wasn't that confident in, I became very methodical and, right. and deliberate in how I navigated it. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so I, I was recently in a conversation with somebody that I found delusional when it came to politics. And I had to just shut the conversation down because I felt everything that you described earlier. I huh? felt everything you described earlier. Huh? And, uh, and, and, and ironically, not ironically, probably true to form, as you're going to, as you can say, I've been thinking about that conversation for, you know, since for the last 10 days since it happened, because I've been, I wasn't proud of my response. I wish I was brighter and more thoughtful in how I reacted. I didn't get mad, but I shut down. I didn't want to get mad. So I just shut down. But if I was in a business situation, I got to move the business forward. I can't shut down. I need to move past the issue. You can't shut down. In a personal matter of opinion, you can shut down. Who cares? Nothing happens whether I shut down or not. Right, right. It's funny you bring that up because I was at the dog park recently and, and some people next to me were having a conversation about something in the news politically. And I was, I felt myself wanting to respond. I wanted to engage. Right. It wasn't even your conversation. Right? It wasn't even my conversation. <laughs> I wanted to engage. He's human, everybody. And, Robert's and, I, human. and I knew in that moment I was having a key moment. Yeah. Right. 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 And so I made a conscious choice just not to engage. Right. Not to disengage, just not to engage. Right. It doesn't always work in, in the business environment. No, you can't. You know, sometimes you can't. Yeah, yeah, we always have to. Um, but the, again, the, the goal is that so often in the business world, when something happens that's upsetting, we react to the situation. We react automatically. And so a lot when, of... we do, when we do that, we're mm-hmm. going down what I call down the pathway of survival. Right. And in that pathway of survival, we're blaming other people. You may see yourself as a victim of what's going on. You're blaming people. You're assuming no responsibility. And yet tends to tee up more key moments. Right. The other way we talk about is down, down the pathway of self-mastery where we 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 evaluate what's going on we we hit the we pump the brakes or hit the pause button and take a couple deep breaths or use some kind of interrupting strategy and literally choose we call it the moment of choice Mm -hmm. choose a different response in the moment right i spent a lot of my professional time teaching customer service skills and i can tell you that where this comes most into play is when you have the unreasonable customer like they, their perception of mm-hmm. something that went afoul is probably not wrong in terms of what exactly happened, but their 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 energy towards the level of importance is completely askew, and they and they can become very uh, uh, accusatory and make the recipient that usually it's a low level employee feel guilty. I always I always say I never argue about the price of parking with the guy that works in a booth because I want the guy what can they do? He works in a booth. He has no authority, you know. If you're going to argue about the price of parking, you got to go to someone that can make a decision. But sometimes that's the guy that gets all the bad energy from someone. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, yeah, they're, they're, sometimes customers can be bullies. They know you have no authority and they can use that to vent. And it's and so I, I teach those customer service skills. And so often it's an, especially when the customer's right but wrong in how they approach it. They lack the skill to diffuse, to get people constructive and sometimes it's just as simple as saying i understand and i'm really sorry let's see what we can do about it sometimes it's as simple as just making the customer feel heard but because because some of these um people who are not well trained sometimes they're not natural apologizers either by the way uh i uh sometimes people are being having to be forced to apologize for other people on their team and so they feel like i'm not apologizing because i didn't do the problem and they don't understand that they're speaking on behalf of the company and they need to take 
company-wide responsibility. And that means you have to say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. And sometimes very simple. And so these are, seems like simple skills to teach. However, they're usually the people that are here the least amount of time that don't haven't had the, the benefit of better examples and good training. That's why I asked earlier about evaluations. Can you assess people's natural ability to exercise emotional intelligence when you're hiring them so you can mitigate a problem? Well, there actually is, there are, there are some assessments, there are a couple really good assessments out there mm -hmm. that, that will, that will um, help you understand what their level of emotional intelligence is currently. And mm -hmm. it would be good to use that um, in a hiring situation, there's other another assessment that I'm aware of that I've used to use in a hiring situation, which may not tell you what their emotional intelligence is, but it will help you understand how likely they are to be to to do be successful in a customer facing role. Right, right, right. And it's interesting that that the the role of emotional intelligence in the sales process or customer service process, both of them is so vital, right? Because oh, you may sure. never, you may not be successful at, at converting an angry customer into a happy customer, but, you know, but the chances of you making that happen are much higher if the representative is emotionally intelligent and not right. being triggered by the other person than getting triggered. Right. I think there's, there's also something to be said of exercising emotional intelligence or just basically good customer service skills in front of other employees, like mm -hmm. other team members that you're teams with, because especially if you're feeling threatened or accused and having, a, you know, blamed, you may want to standing up for yourself with other people next to you, you're emboldened versus, you know, exercising good customer service skills in front of them. You might find a mistake happen just because they're with their team members. They feel emboldened, almost like a gang feels emboldened because they're with each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important that the whole team be on the same page. And I think it's also important that 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 uh, team members become empowered to solve problems rather than to fight, you know, to argue back and solve problems outside the outside the lanes of what's normal, uh, just to make a customer happy. Yeah, so. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Um, re recently, uh, my older daughter is overseas and she's having a problem with her credit card. And so I did a three-way call to this bank. I'll leave the bank unnamed. And, um, and we spoke to three different people and not one of them had any authority to try to solve this problem. Yeah, it's unacceptable. You know, and, and, and in the end, it was an hour and a half on the phone and we finally yeah. got to a fourth person who was able to solve our problem in 15 minutes. Right. And I said to this person, I said, look, I'm really, this is, this is horrible. I've been 90 minutes on the call with you. And yet the first person could have solved this problem. Was the solution obvious? Yeah, it was yeah, very so, obvious. So to have to speak to three yeah. people that can't make a decision, even the obvious one is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah but what made it worse, though, is that the first representative actually said, I know what I need to do, but I'm not authorized to do it. Right. right. And now I need you to, he's, it's funny, he said, I need you to ask to speak to somebody in the company, but I can't tell you who it is. And I said, uh, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, please speak to your supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny you know, and, and it could have that problem could have been solved in 10 minutes right i will never do business with that bank again that's why i'm not going to mention it so what what advice do you have for the young kids starting out there that may uh that 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 may want to engage in some emotional intelligence development well number one i'm going to answer the question th this way i think this coursework should be required for all high school students yeah 
um, even maybe even earlier, maybe even earlier in, in life, because um, we just don't understand the power of our emotions. We don't understand um, how our emotions can hijack our, our brains and then we can respond to things in a horrible way and, and in many times regretful ways. So if, um, if there's people out there that are, are looking to learn more about it, um, I'm going to do a shameless plug. Okay, okay. yeah, please, of course. Okay. Of course. So um, on my YouTube channel, Black Diamond Leadership um, YouTube channel or on my website, blackdiamondleadership.com. I have webinars that I've recorded that uh, you can watch and, and you'll start to understand this process and you'll, you'll glean um, ideas or you'll glean some knowledge about managing your own e emotions. But there's other resources as well. There's some great books out there. Um, Daniel Goleman is an author who actually kind of coined the term emotional intelligence. He just came out with a revision, revised um, book, and that's a great place to start as, as well. And um, and this this work will not only enable you to be most likely or give you a let me rephrase that this this work will provide the opportunity to be far more successful in life, both at work and in your personal lives than than, than not. I will I can honestly say that since I've been doing this work starting about ten years ago, without a doubt, I am a happier person. Um, I look back at some mistakes that I've made in my life, and I probably wouldn't have made those mistakes um, if I had the training that I have now in emotional intelligence. And the last thing I want to say is, you know, people say, God, Robert, it sounds so hard. You got to go through all these different steps. And the, the tr truth is now I don't think about the steps anymore. Mm -hmm. no. They become second nature for you. They become second nature, and 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 I share this during my workshops because people say, "Well, Robert, you've been doing this. You're so good." Blah 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 blah. And I said, "You know what? Listen, who goes to to the gym?" And people raise their hand. I said, "Okay, who works out all the time?" People raise their hand. So look, at, I don't work. I haven't been to the gym for a while, and if I go to the gym and I try to do your workout routine, I'm going to kill myself, right? But if I go to the gym every single day or every three couple times a week and I work out. I'll begin to catch up to you. It's no different. I've just been working out longer than you have learning these skills. And it really does become second nature. Now, there are times when I get triggered by something and there's a new opportunity for me to learn more about myself. And that's the pathway of self-mastery, learning more about how you respond to certain situations. Duly noted. Thank you very much. Not surprised that I learned a lot from you today. I always do. Thank you, Robert. Likewise, thank you. Robert, thanks so much. You always make me think, you always make me realize I have lots to learn. And there's certainly a lot of language skills to improve when it comes to communicating with our teams and with the people we work with. Robert can be reached at blackdiamondleadership.com. That's his website. You'll find his contact information there and all kinds of helpful resources. Listeners, hey, please remember to review our podcast wherever you listen. I appreciate your help passing the word on Facebook, LinkedIn, and other social media outlets. Please check out smallbizcast.com for earlier episodes and for coming attractions and other resources. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. <laughs>